the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. When we get into the Bible and to the book of Philippians, uh, Paul's writing to the Philippians, he's writing to a group of very faithful believers a church that he initiated, a fellowship that he was literally a part of the, or instigated at the beginning of, a very small and interesting, diverse group, kind of like ourselves here. In the core of it was a heart, a unity of heart that Paul so identified, and it so blessed Paul to see. Because a church is not just about a group of people gathering together, nor is it about a denomination, nor is it about a building with a steeple. A church is about a union with the heart of God. That's what the church is about. Now there is a word that, that's going to pop up continuously throughout the book of Philippians, and it is the key thread that kind of runs through Philippians, and that word is joy. Joy has a lot of meaning attached to it. But there are a couple of things centrally that I want you to remember about the word joy. And I'll, I'll go over this again. Joy is not an emotion. Okay? Joy is not an emotion. Joy can only be defined in terms of the Spirit of God because it comes from the Spirit of God. And joy is literally defined as the delight of the Lord and your confidence in the Lord. Joy could be defined as confidence in the faithfulness of the Lord. Now, that confidence is created in you by the revelation of Christ because when we behold Him, we see in Him the answers to all the issues that we're facing. We see in Him the strength for our weakness. We see in Him the provision for our lacking. We see in Him the healing for our hurts and our pain. We see in Christ the person and the life within us, all that we need to face life. And that is why He says we are complete in Christ because everything, in Colossians, everything that we need to live the Christian life is in Him. And joy is based in the confidence confidence that we have it all and that God is our answer and Jesus is the answer to every issue that he is our life that's what joy is based in so as we go through the book of Philippians you'll hear Paul saying I have joy 
And as we talk about the background where Paul's at, that doesn't really make sense if you equate it to an emotion. Last week we went through the first two verses of uh, Philippians, and this week we're going to be a little more aggressive in an attempt to go through four verses. Now, you can see that Paul, as you read through Philippians, even in the very beginning, you see that Paul has a deep love for this fellowship in Philippi, and there's a union between them that between Philippi and Paul that's being maintained by the Spirit of God for their mutual benefits. And this is something that I know about Christian relationship. Here's the thing. You know as a Christian that everything that touches your life has to be allowed or purposed by God Himself because you're in Christ, right? Aren't you in Christ? So nothing touches you except God allows it because He's sovereign, right? Is He not sovereign? Because if He's not sovereign, we're in trouble. So here's how you can define that in terms of relationships. There are going to be people coming and going out of your life, and the Spirit of God governs that. Did you know that? And the purpose for people coming and going out of your life is spiritual first. And the reason relationships give us so much trouble is that we equate relationships with a temporal existence. And it's all about meeting our personal need, isn't it? Most of the time. But when we recognize that, that relationships are spiritual in their instigation and spiritual in their truth and spiritual in their work, then we begin to understand that God is in charge and He will bring, Romans 8.28, He will use every relationship to bring you into maturity. Even the bad ones. Judas, even the bad ones. He uses every relationship and He governs every relationship and they all have a purpose that is spiritual. But we rarely see it. We're too busy looking at how it's affecting us on the physical plane. But Paul, as I've told you before, he's inclined to look at everything from a spiritual perspective. He is what we refer to as a mystic. Everything for him is spiritual. So you know that when he embraces a relationship, it's because he sees Jesus in it. And when it impacts his life, it is because he has the revelation of Christ in it. It goes beyond just that person having an affinity or us being able to get along because we both like soccer or something of that nature. It goes beyond that. It goes to the central truth of the union that they have in Christ when it's Christian to Christian and the ministry of Christ when it's not. Do you see? So, here's the thing, guys. I see a lot of fellowships, a lot of churches, if you will. They base their whole approach to gathering people on affinities. On a worldly affinity. Okay, we, uh, we're going to have all of these different affinity groups and affinity gatherings. And people base their relationship, whether the church declares it or not, people within the church base their relationships on affinities. But I'm telling you, we can be as different in personality as white is from black, and still we have a union in Christ, and that is the purpose of the gathering of the church, is to celebrate that union. Not your fleshly affinity. Because if we're joined together in a union of Christ, then we have no right to be offended at one another. Because the relationship isn't about that, is it? It's about Jesus, isn't it? 
And if I am if I am yielded to the truth of that relationship, then even when you do things that are that hurt me and offend me, I don't want to see your offense. I don't want to see my wounds. I want to see Jesus. What does it tell me about me? Father, what are you showing me? What is the purpose in it? That's what relationships are for. The revelation of Christ. We start with Philippians chapter 1 verse 3 and it says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Well, first of all, you see, he is thanking God for his remembrance of him. So he sees God as the source of... He sees God as the source of the relationship and he sees God as the maintainer because he's thanking God for them and his remembrance of them. He's also personalizing the whole thing. He says, I thank my God. Now, it's not uncommon. Paul uses that in the three or four other books. But when he uses that, I want you to embrace this, this truth in general first. You need to personalize your relationship with God, okay? Quit calling him just general God and start calling him my Father. Start speaking to him like what he is. Your intimate loved one. Your Father. Not like your human Father, so much more than that. But a Father that will never reject you. A Father whose character is pure love. A Father who is always for you. A Father who desires to see you do the very best. A Father who doesn't condemn you. For there is therefore now no more condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. A Father who will not reject you. A Father whose love will, He will never separate from you. For there will be no separation of His love. This is a Father's heart. And so when you, when you pray, you address Him as you do your most intimate loved one. And when you walk and you talk to Him, and don't, that's another thing. Do y'all do that? You ought to do that. I don't care. I see people walking up and down the street babbling all the time. I know they're not talking to God. And I see people with, with uh, iPods and they're doing all this kind of stuff. So don't be afraid of looking like a fool. When you're walking up and down the street or when you're going through Walmart or whatever you're doing, start talking to Him instead of talking to yourself. Because how good is that conversation? Personalize the relationship and embrace the truth that you're in union with Him and that He will never leave you nor forsake you. That you have a God that has attached Himself personally to your life. And He wants intimacy with you. He doesn't want to just know about you. He wants you to know Him and Him to know you in an intimate way. Well, going beyond that, when He says, My God... My God, I thank my God for you. What he is doing is he is saying, this has been a personal gift to me from a personal God that I might be able to rejoice in this relationship. I have a heart of thankfulness in all of my remembrance of you. He uses this greeting several times, as I said before, but here's the thing that's remarkable about it. It's been nearly 10 years since Paul's been in Philippi. And knowing what we know about Paul and all that he's probably been through in the last 10 years, the fact that he's having any remembrance of him at all is pretty much a miracle, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think? But here's the thing. 
that it is not only that he's having a remembrance of them, but that he recognizes that it is God who is generating and maintaining that remembrance. He sees the purpose of God in the relationship, in the remembrance. God doesn't bring stuff to your mind or to your heart that is not affirming in truth. And when people are brought to your mind, the first thing are in, into your awareness, the first thing the enemy wants to do is he wants to take God completely out of the picture. He wants you to focus on the person. He wants you to focus on their, on their outward activity, their looks or whatever. But I want to tell you something. You're a spiritual person. Not a physical person primarily, but a spiritual person. And when you have a thought about someone, if you want to, if you want to do away with bitterness, with slander, or with false expectation, if you want to do away with all of those tricks of the enemy, you need to take that thought immediately and, and say, thank you, Father. Your will be done in their lives. Just say it. I love them. You know, here's, here's, I can say that with all confidence because the source of my love is my Heavenly Father. And can you think of anyone He hates? I can't. Because if there was ever anyone that deserved to be hated, it would be me. And He loves me. <laughs> Brother, does He love me. You know? So He says, I have confidence that God is in the middle of this. I have confidence that God is bringing this back because I've been remembering them all along and I'm cherishing these memories and the Spirit of God is maintaining them. And he says, in all, which means he's grateful for every remembrance. And you can't tell me, I've been around church work long enough to know, that in a year of church work, you're going to have some negative remembrances, but he cherishes them all. Every one of them he sees God in. Now what's so wonderful about the Philippians as individuals? I don't know. But I can tell you what Paul sees in them. I only know one thing that holds Paul's interest. (laughs) It's Jesus. That's all he's about. And you know what? He is fascinated. He is absolutely giddy over the revelation of Christ to those people. He is. You know, it's exciting to see the things you love in a different light because you have a whole new perspective to embrace. For instance, your, your loved one in a, in a new outfit. It's exciting because you have a whole new perspective to embrace. And the reason I bring that up is that your revelation of Christ, each one of you individually, is so different so quit trying to be like everybody else. All of us have the perfect Christian in our mind, the image of the perfect Christian. We get up in the morning and when we decide we're going to be Christian, maybe on Sunday morning, we try to comb our hair like the perfect Christian would and dress like the perfect Christian would and maybe talk like the perfect Christian would. I'm telling you that Christ's revelation in you is perfect. Don't change anything. Yield to it. I didn't say your flesh. I said Christ's revelation in you. Don't try to be anything else. Because you were uniquely created to put forth the expression of Christ in a unique way. He says, I pray for all of you. He prays for them. And, and then in Philippians 1.3, he says, 
I thank my God for all of you. And then we move on to Philippians 1.4. And he says, In every prayer of mine, I always make my entreaty and petition for all of you with joy and delight. With joy and delight. Paul says, In every prayer, which probably is referring to almost a daily communion with the Father concerning them. And here's here's the interesting thing. Paul is not in a position to be able to physically have communion with them or be in touch with them. But there is a communion that we have on a spiritual level that we refuse to recognize with any consistency. And that is our union with one another in Christ. You know that that union is so deep and so intimate that in heaven there won't be any marriage or giving in marriage. It won't even be necessary. Because that hole will be filled to overflowing. Not with individuals, but with Christ Himself, of which we are all part of His body. Part of His expression. I'm not saying you're Jesus, I'm saying you're part of His expression. And you know what? That intimacy is on a spiritual level. It's on a spiritual level, and because it's on a spiritual level, the way we can connect, the way we can bless one another is through that word, intercession. We all know what that is. That's where we pray for others or on the behalf of others. But let me tell you something. I know something about flesh. Flesh is not excited about praying for anybody. The Spirit of God is the one who calls you to prayer. And if someone comes to your mind, what he is saying to you, literally, we know that the Spirit of God is continually putting petitions before the Father concerning each individual. On on an individual basis, on a personal basis, if he puts someone in your mind, he is saying, agree with me, enter in with me, with this person, for this person before Father. Agree with Father's will concerning this individual. We can participate in a union with one another on a spiritual level and on a prayer level that we can't experience on a physical level. There's a communion there. Don't pass it off. Don't shove it aside. Don't say that that has very little validity. I'm telling you it is the stronger truth. It is the bigger reality. And when we intercede for other people, we are literally saying, this is our life. And if you begin to pray for people and you, and you make it strictly all about the, the externals, the external needs, external flesh, then yes, there will be a sense of separation because there's no union in flesh. But if you bring people before the Father and it's about their relationship with the Father, it's about Father's will for them, it's about Father's desire for them, if you bring it in that context, then you are in union with them in the body of Christ. Paul, when he is before the Father, he is joining the Spirit of God and the Spirit's delight and the Spirit's heart and the Spirit's entreaty for these people. It is as though he is there. It's a spiritual function, but he's in the middle of it. Paul says in every prayer. And he says Paul Paul was participating in their lives through prayer based on a connection that was a spiritual connection rather than just trying to maintain a physical one. 
And notice that he says he prays for you all, which means he sees all of them as part of that body. He sees the corporate body of Christ, the corporate fellowship of them, but he also sees them individually. But he says he prays for them with joy. Now, what did I tell you about that word joy? He is delighting in them. Delighting in the Father's delight. And he has confidence in the Father's work in them. That's literally what he's saying. Because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It is motivated by the Spirit. It is produced by the Spirit. And he is praying for these people. And joy is coming up in him and welling up in him. Well, who brought the joy? Where did the joy come from? The joy came from the Spirit of God. Why would he be experiencing that joy from the Spirit of God? Because he entered into the communion of Father for these people. He entered into the Father's delight for these people. And the Spirit of God wells up. It wells up any time there's a revelation of Christ and you begin to pray for people and and you begin to, to ask fathers for Father's will in people's life and you will find a joy welling up in you as you begin to sense with confidence that God's power to work in their lives, God's power to affect their lives, not necessarily externally, but to bring them into the truth of their union with Him, to bring them in the truth of of his of his healing of his work of all that he wants to do with them his heart towards them is what i'm talking about his heart towards them you know what i have a hard time sometimes people say i'm in this situation would you please pray that god will remove me and i have to very tactfully say i'll pray for the will of god for you because that's what i want I don't know what the will of God is, but you know what? I know this. If it wasn't the will of God, if God didn't allow it, they wouldn't be there. Right? So they come in and they tell you, please, you pray that God will remove me from this. I'm just going to say, you know what, brother? I'm going to pray that God's will be done in your life. It may be to remove you. It may be to leave you there. It may be to bless you in the midst of it. It may be to take your eyes off the circumstance and bring you into an intimate, fresh relationship with Him that has no, absolutely no bearing on where you're at. And you know what? That's usually it. Most times. They get to the point where they can just see Jesus and then suddenly the problem is no longer a problem. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which His presence within accomplishes, it's His province, is love, joy, which you have gladness, peace, patience, and even temper, temper, forbearance, Kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness. The Spirit of God creates these things. It is the evidence, it is the bona fides of His presence when these things occur. It also occurs at the revelation of Christ. Now, the world has its own definition of joy. And everything that God brings forth, the world will duplicate and come up with a sorry imitation. That imitation for the world is happiness. For the world, joy is synonymous with happiness. And as you know, happiness has its root word in happenings. So how good is that? How long will that last? This word can only be defined by the Spirit of God. It's a spiritual work that affirms and expresses confidence in God. 
Nehemiah 8.10 says, Then Ezra told them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet drink, and send portions to him for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our God. And be not grieved and depressed, for the joy of the Lord is your strength and stronghold. He could have very easily said, For the confidence and the faithfulness of our God is your strength and your stronghold. If he was speaking of an emotion, that would have been very weak, wouldn't it? How long does that last? Your blood sugar drops? The truth of the matter is that the joy of the Lord is a state that the Spirit of God induces by His very presence and by your affirmation of confidence in the faithfulness of God. Paul is participating in the petitions of the Spirit through prayer. That's why there is a confidence and a delight in God concerning the Philippians. And that's why he's experiencing joy. Now, it couldn't have been an emotion based on circumstance. It had to be the revelation of Christ because you know where Paul is at that point. The joy of the Lord is the delight of the Lord. And here's the other thing that the Holy Spirit will allow joy into your consciousness is that when you delight yourself in the delight of the Lord... When you delight yourself in the delight of the Lord. The biggest problem that many Christians face on a daily basis is that they cannot believe that God actually delights in them. Why? Most people have trouble with that because they're not delighting in themselves. They'll see how God could do it. But the truth of the matter is that He delights in you. You are His precious possession. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.